Welcome to episode 29 of the Swiss Road to Crypto and our monthly monthly review of the main headlines of the past month. I choose news headlines that I think were, are significant and we discuss why they are why they are important. To do this, I have Mauro Capiello uh, from Big Blockchain Innovation Group uh, and Alex Polterak, founder of Alcinet. Today, I have chosen headlines around three main themes, Bitcoin, CBDCs, that is central bank digital currencies, and stable coins. There has also been a lot to say about NFTs, but that will be in next month's episode. Hello, Mauro. Hi, Didier. Hello, Alex. Hi, Didier. Okay, so let's make it short and sweet. So, uh, Bitcoin, the protection of Bitcoin. So, there was a headline out that says that basically Jack Dorsey from Twitter, Michael Saylor, the Winklevoss twins, joined an MIT campaign to protect Bitcoin. So, basically, MIT Media Lab yesterday announced a four million four-year-long research and development program to protect the Bitcoin network. There was a second headline, Fidelity Square Coinbase launch Bitcoin trade group. And in fact, there were several different headlines about basically these lobby groups that form with different actors like uh, Fidelity Square, Coinbase and, and others. So I was wondering if you had any comments on that. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, you know, how, how, how is this happening? And obviously, I think I'm assuming some people are have fear that you know either technology or from a regulatory point, uh, you know, we could kind of end up, or, or Bitcoin could be end up uh, under pressure, or you know, not not dissolve, but you know, being under pressure. And I also wonder if it has to do with uh, you know the Financial Act Task Force as well, which I think uh, you know last week they have published new uh, draft uh, regulations which are coming for the cryptocurrency. So it seems a little bit of a, you know, a couple of people are panicking a little bit, I think in my uh, space are saying, oh, if this is coming, uh, we may need to get out or, so I I was kind of wondering why, Uh, but uh, obviously I'm very positive that uh, everybody is investing to to keep this going and make it a possible tool to to use for everybody, government and non-government. Alex? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I'm not really aware of the efforts uh, going on in the MIT uh, Media Lab. But generally speaking, I would say that uh, Bitcoin is all about storytelling. You you have to believe in a story. It's all about the narrative. And, uh, yeah. A narrative, yes. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is all about narrative. Like people need to to defend this narrative. If uh, we go too much on the on some other sites like uh, custodial wallets, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it becomes something else than Bitcoin. It becomes PayPal. Definitely, we need to to understand what makes it work, what makes it Bitcoin, and education is very important for that. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I would say the only for me the only potential weakness of Bitcoin is is narrative. In other words, you just have to believe it is a store of value and people consider it so. But you can say the same thing about dollar or gold or real estate or anything. Yeah, for me, it's not only about believing in in store of value. For me, it's essentially like reading the white paper and understanding why this system have these properties and using this system in a way that it provides these properties. Like, for example, self-custodial wallet and not uh, storing your, your Bitcoins with some bank or some other company. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, what a little bit what I meant was that, uh, you know, something only has value because other people are willing to pay for that, you know, for that thing. So people, other people have to believe it's a store of value. Otherwise, you know, just like art, it has no value either. 
But for me, the, the most important narrative is not about store of value. The, the most important for me is the, the why it has these properties of unconfiscability, of uh, censorship resistance, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All the properties that we give to a Bitcoin blockchain, sometimes falsely to other blockchains. Also, I have to say the every country that has tried to stop Bitcoin, it didn't work and people's initial reaction is some government will try to stop it. And of course, the US has now seen that it doesn't work to try to stop it because China's tried and Pakistan has tried and so on. And so the fact for me that you have these these big actors in the US that are forming a political lobby group is always a good sign. And the MIT uh, research, I don't quite um, project, I don't quite know either what they're doing. And I don't know why it's different than Blockstream, but it's still a good sign, in my opinion. But moving on a little bit to um, uh, the theme, a little bit of Bitcoin adoption. Um, there's always, of course, uh, you know, Tesla and so on. But there was a new actor that maybe got a little bit less attention recently, and that was um, the Norwegian billionaire. And so I have a few headlines here about Bitcoin adoption. Uh, well, J- Citibank is now saying that Bitcoin could become the currency of choice for international trade. J.P. Morgan, uh, of course, we all know Jamie Dimon's initial remarks about Bitcoin, but J.P. Morgan tells private clients that Bitcoin can be a portfolio diversifier if sized correctly. In other words, you put in the right portion. But the, the, for me, the most interesting headline was the Norwegian billionaire Kjell Inge Roke, who I think owns a company called Acker, and he has decided to create a new business unit in his energy construction and fishing business to focus exclusively on, on Bitcoin. And then if you read his, his statement, the reason he gives are really everything a Bitcoin maximalist likes to hear. First, he says, first, we will use Bitcoin as our treasury asset and join the community. Second, we will establish mining operations that will transfer stranded or intermittent intermittent electricity without stable demand locally, like wind, solar, and hydropower, to economic assets that can be used anywhere. Third, we will build and invest in projects and companies in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Then he goes on to say, risk is not an obvious concept. What's commonly considered risk is frequently not, and vice versa. We are used to thinking that cash is, a, is risk-free, but it is not. It is typically taxed by inflation at a small rate every year. It adds up. Central banks have magically agreed that they should target 2% inflation, which implies that one-third of your money's worth is taxed away every 20 years. Bitcoin may still go to zero, but it can also become the core of a new monetary architecture. If so, one Bitcoin may be worth millions of dollars. The asymmetry is interesting to a portfolio. People who know the most about Bitcoin believe its future success is nearly inevitable, whereas the other camp thinks that its failure is equally certain. Status quo is not possible. So there we go. Uh, I suppose that would uh, provoke our friend Alex. Any comments or from Mauro or Alex who wants to go first? Well, for, for, for me, it's kind of natural that people start to understand, especially people who are involved with energy production, they, they know how difficult it is to store energy. And so they, they lose value over time. And uh, Bitcoin is one of the ways to store this value and even to, to increase it if the price of Bitcoin increases. But at least you can, you can store that energy. Aro? And I think also the other thing is interesting that he basically goes through the whole value chain, right? Why, by using the commercial approach, right, or investment approach, 
um, then also investing into companies, so it's investing into technology. Um, so you know, obviously this, these are very good signs. And I think uh, also I fully agree, at the end, the, the technology and also what Alex said before, the concepts and everything of, of uh, blockchain and Bitcoin, what it now brought to the industry, I think is, is not going to go away. It, it's just really about, and that could, put, could potentially become, you know, a little bit of fights um, uh, between, you know, from more the regulated and non-regulated world, uh, is the currency going to survive in that, uh, in, in what we would like to have it. Okay, yeah, moving on a little bit because the next themes are mining and infrastructure because um, basically Fidelity is now filed for an ETF. So then if you look at the U.S. companies who have filed for ETF, there's Fidelity, there's Skybridge, there's a moon, there's Bitwise. So you have to think that sooner or later the U.S. is going to allow an ETF and you can wonder that they'll probably allow all of them at the same time instead of choosing a winner first, like Fidelity or whatever. That will make the others, of course, very unhappy. To mining, Kentucky, Kentucky, the state of Kentucky in the U.S., legislators have moved ahead with proposed tax breaks for, tax, for crypto miners. In Canada, they're now big into mining as well because, of course, they have all this excess energy that they produce. So Bitcoin mining firm HUT8 files who raise nearly 400 million in Canada. Of course, Square CFO also says that Bitcoin has a place, to quote him, on every balance sheet. And then finally, this is another statement that I find very funny. JP Morgan is looking for a crypto clearinghouse. The executive said we will fundamentally need a crypto clearinghouse to see that to see that liquidity. Once that exists, banks will move their liquidity to it. And for me, this is strikes me in the face. You have a you have a clearinghouse. It's called the blockchain. Uh, what, what do you mean you it's need a clearinghouse? Yeah, so uh, it's going back to yeah, it's going they, back to where we are, right? Yeah, they, they they don't know how to think in the new in the. They want to bring us. They want to bring it back no, to what they already they, have no, and I what they, they know. They probably don't. They don't have an interest to think in that way to trust in the technology, right? Now you could say maybe in order to bring the big mass to to the technology and to the crypto and so forth. Maybe that is required, you know, like we do have permissioned or private blockchains that help some, some uh, companies uh, to kind of, you know, at least try, right? At least get involved in it and start to understand the possibilities. Uh, but, you know, this really sounds like, you know, let's keep our circle close and uh, we do business as we did the last couple of hundred years. On, on one side, it looks funny and like, like if they were really not understanding at all what blockchain is. On the other side, I think they do understand and they do also understand that at some point transactions will become extremely, extremely expensive on the, on the first layer and that things will need to move to lightning and other layers, second layers, and that these layers depend on liquidity provider. So they want to, they want hard to be those liquidity providers. So to, to continue to use their traditional models, let's say, and to provide these uh, services on top of these uh, secondary networks. So we'll let the listener decide if he wants to put JP Morgan in the stupid camp who doesn't get it or in the smart <laughs> camp who say, uh, in fact, he means he means second layers like lightning, which, which might, which is probably very possible as well. Huh? But uh, but that's not how they express it, in my opinion. Let's move on to CBDCs, because I don't think we mentioned that very much in our last report. Um, so let me read to you several headlines. Uh, so Thai Central Bank outlines plans for a digital bat. Okay. 
then moving to euro the digital euro will be decided on within months and then let me read you the headline for there's a quote from christine lagarde a decision on the digital euro will be made in the next months but the actual release of such a currency would take years. The ECB president told Bloomberg that the whole process of developing a central bank digital currency could take at least another four years, though the bank plans to make a decision on whether to move on the initiative by mid-2021. One to two more headlines. One is the Swedish central bank reveals the first study of a digital currency, and they also say that basically it's taking longer than the thought. Riksbank just published the results of the first phase of the pilot project into what is essentially the most advanced exploration of post-cash era, but it says the rapid pace of cash disappearing presents potential problems. They also say that the central bank digital currency might take a lot longer to enact than initially thought. And there's one other thing I would like to mention here, which... It's not in the headlines, but I listened to a podcast in which there was a, a banker from uh, the Massachusetts uh, Fed in the U.S. And in fact, all the important questions when they asked this fellow, the answer was always, we're studying it, we're looking into it, we're not sure yet. We hope to come out with a white paper in mid-2021. They seem to be asking themselves a lot of questions, but seem to be very far from the answers to it. Notably, they, they all seem to be saying that in the first stage, at least, a CBDC will be either between central banks and the central bank or between commercial banks, but won't will not be for uh, Private. uh, privates. Because uh, uh, the fellow in the U.S., when they asked them, will this thing be anonymous or will you do KYC on people? Because the idea with CBDCs is you could direct who you want to give money to. <laughs> And so, of course, he said, well, if we, it's important to collect the data on the name of the person, his identity, his, uh, all that. But then, of course, they realize once you collect data, you have to secure it properly. And that requires a tremendous amount of infrastructure and, and, and work. And so the central bank seems to be happy to delegate that work to the commercial banks, uh, at least initially. So I have to say... This leads me to this idea that originally I thought stablecoins was a sort of a stupid idea. But now that I see that mm -hmm. central bank digital currencies, in fact, they're going to be very, very slow and it's going to be a very long process until they actually roll it out, that by that time the private stablecoins will have gained so much market traction that uh, now I believe in stablecoins, basically. What you're saying is exactly what's happening in Switzerland, right? Uh, I think uh, the you know stock exchange... Uh, together with the National Bank, they are piloting digital Swiss franc for uh, settlement of securities, right? And, you know, clearly the first use case uh, is, is, is going towards um, financial intermediaries and, uh, you know, the service provider, capital market service provider like Six and others to um, use this. Uh, if you maybe remember, there was back in, uh, I think, 2017 or something like that, there was a utility security coin, right, which was also initiated or is still kind of in progress uh, to do settlement of securities between major banks uh, in Europe. So that has not gone live yet. So I'm not surprised that the central bank digital currency process will even take longer because, you know, as you say, handling it for privates is going to be a different challenge, not technology-wise, honestly, because, and, and Alex can you know, comment on that. I think from a technology point of view, I think we, we are there since a while, right, to do something like that. It's just more of a political situation. Also, the national banks will potentially have all the people have their accounts with them, and they probably don't want that. 
because obviously if you want to send money, digital money to, to people directly, you need to onboard them, you need to have accounts for them, um, or if, if you know they can have a wallet, uh, you will have uh, to provide infrastructure. So I just don't know they want to do that and they're looking for a solution. Who is going to do it for them? So I, I see, first of all, definitely on the infrastructure side, there is a problem. Like the technology is there, but the technology was never used by, by uh, the central banks. Banks experimented a lot and have some experience with uh, like hosting customers' data and stuff. And the, the central bank have zero experience in that. And as you mentioned, Didier, they would love to delegate these to, to private banks and to like investment banks. Uh, then there are like legal concerns and uh, it's very difficult to come to, to an agreement about like the privacy aspects, the KYC aspects of this uh, CBDC coin. And in the, in the stable coin area, there is basically like the CBDCs, uh, private uh, company, private tokens and community built tokens. And I think it's the community tokens that will really develop because uh, it's permissionless. It's developed on permissionless networks. It's easy to experiment and uh, the good experimentations will have community adoption. So for example, what are you thinking about here? You're not thinking about like a USDC, you're thinking about what a DAI or what? What do you mean? DAI, for example, uh, I mean, USDC, USDT have a lot of adoption currently, but they are subject to also to regulatory problem, yeah, to risk by the regulators in different countries. While DAI, for example, you don't know who, whom to blame, to who to go to impose some KYC on the on the token or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but okay, this leads us perfectly into our next subject, which is stable coins and the next headlines. Because on the one hand, you know, I always think people are going to be lazy and they're always going to choose the easiest solution. And therefore, a USDC that's going to be offered by a Coinbase or something is going to be a lot easier for most people to use than a DAI. And so the adoption will be there. But let me read you the next headlines. Okay, so USDC total stable coin supply has a surpassed 10 billion paypal pushes crypto further mainstream with planned checkout service so they want to lead it to the merchants except crypto but the main headline for me was visa uh, visa that have announced them um, the first major payment provider to settle transaction in the digital dollar Support for digital currencies as a new type of settlement currency marks an important step forward for Visa's network of networks strategy, which is designed to enhance all forms of money movement within the Visa network. So this means that a customer who has USDC in a wallet and a card attached to their wallet, and now there are dozens of these, can spend at any Visa accepting merchant, and the USDC is used to settle the transaction with Visa instead of the legacy banking system. So what is the interest of Visa for doing this? Uh, for Visa, this means they get the money as fast as the blockchain moves funds without reversal risk, without the time delays and the costs of SWIFT, ACH, etc. And that is huge. So, of course, basically the main advantage is you've moved the, you've moved the, the, the settlement layer onto the Ethereum blockchain instead of the classic SWIFT banking system, which has it a huge advantages of speed and non-reversibility. But... I would put a big asterisk on the non-reversibility. Ah, and why? Because many networks that they use there on multiple networks, 
And these different networks have different uh, guarantees, let's say security guarantees. Some take longer time to, to settle that transaction. You know, it's not settled as soon as it's mined in the first block. So what are you saying? Probabilistics. That all, are you saying that all DT, USDCD doesn't settle on Ethereum or what are you saying? It's, it's on different networks. It's on Algorand, Solana, Stellar, Ethereum. And for ah, example, in okay. Ethereum, uh, for a large amount, you would be waiting uh, some number of blocks, let's say 20 blocks, or even like 100 for extremely large amounts. And these different blockchains have different guarantees that they provide. So you would need to wait different times per different blockchain because of how that, that blockchain works. So that's the first point. And the second point is that the USDC smart contract on those different chains allow confiscation on government's decision. Mauro, any comments? No, I think I agree with, with Alex, right? Different networks and have different thresholds and, and require different number of, of confirmations, which obviously makes it uh, makes it more uh, secure. Now, the other thing with, with uh, uh, Visa, I think, as you say, for me, there's a counterparty risk, right, that goes away because they settle immediately uh, for obviously, you know, Visa, but also for uh, the merchants and everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm not a specialist in credit cards, but my understanding of all these claims and, you know, kind of reversal and all of that is enormous, right? That is kind of the big um, uh, uh, trouble. Uh, these... That's billions. Yeah, it's billions. Exactly. Year, yes. So now we have this thinking of more of a debit business, right, in blockchain and, and cryptocurrency that either you have it or you don't. Let's say in the in the purest form, we're not having credit. We either we have it or not, and then so you you deduct it immediately. So the there's, the risk is much less, right? And the the effort and the back and forth, uh, you know, all of that goes away. So it seems to me just a more straightforward service and with less risk. So I can uh, totally see that they want to push to have it. For me, the fact that Visa was uh, was adopting it as well as PayPal for me is a huge step in terms of mainstream adoption and then and then of course you're one step closer to maybe bitcoin or other payments because now your people are going to be using digital digital currencies they're still not uh, you know at bitcoin but they're they're getting closer yeah so it, it for me it was a major it will it will increase tremendously adoption in the next i don't know one or two years or whatever so we'll see Okay, gentlemen. It's uh, we try to keep this not too long, so we'll 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 stop this monthly review here. And uh, next month we'll be back, and we'll probably discuss uh, other themes. Okay. Thank you very thanks much, a lot. gentlemen. Great. Bye bye. Okay. Thanks, Mauro. Thanks, thanks Alex. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can visit the website of the podcast. The website is theswissroadtocrypto.com, and sign up for the newsletter and send me an email there. If you would like to help other people find this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can do that even if you don't have an iPhone. Go to Google, type The Swiss Road to Crypto, scroll down to the bottom of the page and leave a review or give it a five-star rating if you so choose. That helps other people find the podcast as well. I would also like to thank my producer, Michael Junot, who helps me tremendously in producing and editing this podcast.